Uh, we had a little bit of a doozy of a weekend. How many of you guys had a doozy of a weekend? We had our car broken into, we had an all-day uh, extravaganza, livestock judging contest in Moses Lake. And uh, so the fact that Kyler and I are here this morning, we are just excited to be here. So uh, thank you for uh, having us here. Thank you for um, putting up with my lack of microphone skills. So thank you, tech team. You guys are awesome. Um, the worship up here, it's, it's fun to see uh, some young people on the stage. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, the other guys too. So thank you. Um, <laughs> And uh, anyway, you, you guys are a lot of fun to, to hang out with and uh, really do appreciate uh, the leadership. They keep asking me to come back, which is, thank you. It's, it's, nice to, it's nice to feel welcome here. So really appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you. And then I get to finish the, the entire series on the book of Acts. Um, two weeks ago, we started it on Acts chapter 1, and it was all about the restored um, mission that we have and that we are called to be witnesses. And uh, this week is on Acts chapter 2. It's the dramatic conclusion of the entire series on Acts. And uh, so, so we might be here for a while. And it's on all about the restored identity. And so if you are a note taker, awesome, good for you. Um, you can start taking notes now. But we will be uh, in the book of Acts this morning. Um, so it's always controversial to, to bring up uh, Harry Potter at church. So um, how, many, how many of you are familiar with the sorting hat? Okay. So, so like, uh, you know, you, you, you go to wizard school or whatever this thing is, and, and uh, you, you get thrown into a hat, and then you, like, get placed into a particular, like, club or school or something. I don't know. A home. I don't know. Like, some little community. And so, like, middle school, I feel like, was like that. Like, like middle school for everyone is like you get thrown into this little hat and then like depending on like what clothes you wear or the things that you do or, or the type of person you are or how like large your biceps are, like you get kind of put into a particular group and then that's kind of like all of a sudden like you're in that, you're, you're with all of the Slytherin or I don't know. Anyway, so you're in this group. And for me, I happened to like play a trumpet and so I was a band nerd. And so this, this happened. Um, so I got up early, early and went to zero hour and before everyone else got there and played trumpet in a, in a, like a jazz band. And then like later that day we played in like a symphonic sort of orchestra type of thing and played more trumpet music there. Um, but I, I had the privilege of being a band nerd. Uh, we didn't, I don't think called ourselves that, probably other people did to use that term. Uh, we didn't own that, but uh, I think we, we got kind of categorized that. And so we, we, I sort of like matriculated through school in, in middle school is kind of alongside this group because if you were in zero hour band and then fourth hour you had to ha have band also so like the rest of your classes kind of got stuck together and so we were sort of this little band nerd conglomeration that just went through school together and uh, you know I didn't have the biceps to be the jocks or I, did, I wasn't confident enough to pop my polo collar you know like the the cool kids did um, so you know, there were, there were different segments of the group, but I find like the identity, unfortunately, for whatever it was, it was like I was like this band nerd. And we actually had a great time. Um, I, I was in the back row during jazz, and so like zero hour at like uh, six o'clock in the morning or whatever, you show up to play trumpet, which is there's no better time to play trumpet, right? <laughs> and this other guy next to me, um, he sat next to me, you know, he was second chair, so he sat next to me. And so uh, every day he came, and I, I don't know how many gallons of obsession cologne he went through, but he would like douse himself. And so every morning I like got secondhand obsession cologne, which probably upped my uh, social cred throughout the day, just as a result of sitting next to this guy. 
Uh, but this was kind of like my identity. And, uh, and, you know, there was other things I did, you know, and, and, and throughout my life, there have been different seasons of my life. There was like a, a mountain climbing season and I kind of identified like, I'm a climber. And, you know, then there was like a marathoning season. There was like, oh, I'm going to run some marathons and be a long distance runner. And, and uh, you know, and then of course you have seven kids. So then you're like that weird guy that has seven kids. And so all of a sudden you're like the identity of just whatever you do, we got involved with 4-H and then you can become like, oh, you're a dairy goat farmer. Like that's interesting and it's got its own identity. As an occupation, I am a salesman. And so that of course carries all sorts of extra fun connotations to it. And, and so, you know, so like different phases of life, um, I've had different experiences of things that I do, things that I wear, the activities, the job that I have or how my family exists has kind of like led to me getting a particular identity that you could kind of slice out and parse out and decide like, yeah, this is who I am. Um, but that's not how God defines us. Um, identity, I think, is a really an important and interesting piece of, of like who we are. And I think right, right now in today's uh, day and age, in today's culture, identity seems to be on a lot of people's uh, topic of mind or conversation. It seems like identity is a buzzword that we're hearing a lot, whether it be in your Twitter feed or news or whatever it is that you find, like you're conversing with other people. Identity seems to be something that kind of comes up on a regular basis. And what we find in scripture is that our, our, our identity is completely clear of who we are in Christ. So we're going we're gonna to be looking at Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there this morning. You know, the, the questions of life have always been kind of like, you know, uh, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is it all about? What is life all about? Is there, is there more to life than what I'm experiencing? Now the questions are really, who am I? What am I? How do I find my way? A little bit, you know, more uh, thinking about who I am and the identity of this. And I believe that the foundational truths of who we are created in God's image as image bearers are slowly being ebbed away from our culture, right? And I think it's important for us to look at scripture and, and to decide like, you know, who are we? Like, how are we defined? What is our identity and how do we find our identity in Christ? All right, so uh, let me pray. And we are gonna get rolling on uh, Acts chapter two. Jesus, we are grateful. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful that you are here amongst us. You are here with us. We love you. And what a, what a joy it is to worship together and to come into your throne room before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and to declare, I depend on you. Lord, as we look to your word, help us to, to hear it fresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. 
because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. All right, so last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of waiting. We, we talked about the importance of that the apostles were called to wait. And waiting is difficult, and we had some fun with that. But the idea of waiting is hard. But this was the moment that they were waiting for. And can you just rest in this for a moment? Um, sometimes I find like, oh, this is uh, especially in a Baptist church, right? Oh, we've heard this before, you know, like the Holy Spirit. We're just going to like, zoom right through. Um, and, you know, we're, maybe we're uncomfortable with it a little bit. So, you know, we, we just sort of read it through and we're like, oh, I know the tongues of fire. And then they're speaking in tongues. And, but it wasn't really tongues, tongues. You know, so we, we can start parsing through that. And, and we try to like extract fact from it. Um, and, I, and I think there's, there's some importance to that when we're looking at scripture, like what is, the, what is the truth that we can pull from that? But can you just for a moment, put yourself in that position and like, can you, can you like experience what they experienced? And just think about it. Like here you are, you're in Jerusalem, you're hanging out, you're a devote uh, follower of God. And then all of a sudden you see this amazing sight. And there are sights and there are sounds and there are things that are happening that are wondrous and amazing. And, and you like are hearing things, truths of God, the mighty works of God in your own language coming from people who do not speak your own language. And there are amazing things happening. And then of course there's always the naysayers that are over here saying, oh, they're all drunk. But then here you are, you're experiencing it and you're seeing it and it's all fresh and new and it's never happened before. And you don't have a book that's explaining it to you. You don't have something that says, well, this was the Holy Spirit showing up. And it was like, no, you just see the sights, the sounds. You're taking it all in from an experiential perspective. This is amazing. And you would imagine you were amazed and you were also intrigued. Like, what is going on? And you're just like soaking it all in in this amazing, amazing moment. And you're looking around and you're just like, is this really is this really happening? I think, you know, in today's age, we take for granted special effects and different things in movies, and we see the amazing on screen. But this was live. This was real. This was actually happening. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how what happens in this book was historical fact. Like, this is not made up. This is not a superlative. This is not just a story. This is not hyperbole. This is not a parable. This is, this is actual true fact that historically happened. There are witnesses that talk about it. And so we know that this actually happened. This was not Steven Spielberg. And then this guy Peter stands up. And I know it's a little bit of a long section, but we're going to read it anyway because it's God's word and I think it's important and so Peter brings a sermon 
It says, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, right? In the midst of all of this happening, all of a sudden, this fisherman, Peter, stands up. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give, give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered throughout the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence." Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Praise God. Okay, this actually happened, right? So amazing things were happening. Special effects were taking place. It was all, it was all happening. And it was real as the power of the Holy Spirit showing up and moving in an extravagant manner. And then a man of God stands up and he shares 
God's word and he brings the Old Testament to, to light and he says, hey, you all know the prophet Joel. Like this was like, it was gonna happen. It was prophesied it was gonna happen. It's happening right now and the Holy Spirit is showing up right now doing something new, doing something different. Like it is, like it is the fulfillment, these things that we heard and that we, we care deeply about and we know the word of God and we, it is like, wake up, open your eyes. It's happening now, this Jesus whom you crucified. Oh, can you imagine being in the crowd there? Like receiving that, feeling the weight of that. We all feel the weight of that. Right? And, and, and all of a sudden, Peter is bringing to light all of the stories of the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, the Messiah. This Jesus. And just for a moment, I want to take a side and just say, as you're reading through the scriptures, as you're reading through the Old Testament, you need to read it through and see Jesus in the midst of all of it because it is all through the lens of Jesus, right? The story of God through the lens of the Old Testament, right? God dwelled with creation in his garden. Mankind rejected God. God dwelled with his people in a cloud and pillar of fire at night. God dwelled with uh, with humanity in the temple. God dwelled with humanity in the bodily, bodily found Jesus. God dwells with humanity in the Holy Spirit dwelling in believers. And one day, God again will dwell in the visible form with his creation. Like we can see the story of God weaving through all of the history of the world. From creation to recreation. He has been present. He has been dwelling with his people and he promises to once again in bodily visible form dwell with his people. And that's going to be a great day. But we need to know like, like what Peter is saying and what he's, what he's describing is that our, dent, our identity is no longer what it was. You know, that list of all these people, right? The identity is not about being a Parthian or a Mede or an Elamite or from Mesopotamia or Pergia or Pamphylia, like the, like, though, like the place that you're from or the thing that you do does not matter. You are now, uh, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Messiah. Now there is a community of people who see Jesus as the King to follow. They see him as Messiah, the one who has come to be king. And these people are filled with the spirit and committed to Jesus. This is the restored identity that we were all looking for. As broken individuals, fallen, falling short of, of what we have been called to do, uh, to be in relationship with God, Jesus has made a way for all, us, all of us to find our identity, not in what we do or how we can earn salvation or what we can do on our own, but who we are in Christ. We are a restored identity. These people, as they're listening to Peter, they know that they're made in the image of God. They know that the God of the Old Testament is the same God who sent Jesus. They, they now have a restored identity, a restored mission, and are a part of a restored community. And it's a restored community that is growing. No longer will they be identified by what they do or by what they wear or where they live or where they're from what political party they vote for or what shows they watch or how many children they have or whatever, whether they uh, homeschool or public school or if they play in the band or play on the field, this does not define who they are. They now identify with Christ, filled with the spirit, set apart. A new community has been formed. 
And that is this new defining uh, community is a beautiful thing. If I were to start asking you questions, and so um, I, was try- I, was, I was thinking I was going to give you a warning in the beginning of the message, and I totally forgot that. Sorry. So no warning. This is coming like cold turkey for you. I need your participation this morning, okay? So, and, and this is part one of that. I need you to like shout things out to me. Nice things, maybe. So like if, if, if you were to like define like what, like, like as, a, as someone who identifies in Christ, as a new believer, as a believer in Jesus, like if you identify as a Christian this morning and you are a, like a person who reads the Bible, like what is it in the word of God? Like what are some names or some characteristics of like what, like who, like who are you? How, what is your new identity? Like what are some of the words used that we see in scripture that would identify you as a believer in Jesus? Throw some out to me. Forgiven, Forgiven okay, yes. Child of God, a priest. Redeemed, yeah, one at a time, that's more, like you guys are <laughs> righteous, yes. Loved. Saved. Masterpiece. Calvary. What's that? Calvary? Calvary, okay. Yes, what else? Humility. Humility, all right. A new creation. Amen. Keep it coming. Forgiven, yes. Adopted. That's right. Filled with the Spirit. He is the King of Kings. Friend of God, yes. Somebody said something over here? Salt and light, yes. God's chosen, beloved, yes. What else? This is our identity, church. Like, this is who we are. You need to be wearing these. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are forgiven. You are beloved. You are grafted in. You are forgiven. You are faithful. What's that? Children, of God. Children, you are a child of God, a friend of God, heir of Christ, justified, overcomers, reconciled, redeemed, renewed, sanctified. You are saints, you are sheep, you are pilgrims, the temple of God. You are witnesses. Like this is your identity. How many of you guys own one of those cool uh, set of pit vipers? I mean, yeah, I, knew, I knew you had one. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if it's the hair, but I, I knew you were going to raise your hand. So, like, if you've seen those, like, pit vipers, they're, like, the cool Oakleys. Like, it used to be Oakleys. Now it's pit vipers. Like, the big, I don't know, there's a lot happening there. And, like, when you look through those, like, not only are you rocking, like, a certain hairstyle and you got the pit vipers and, like, you're kind of rolling an identity sort of, right? But you're looking through those and you, and you see the world in a different way. Or maybe you're a fisherman and you got, like, the funky polarized glasses, you know? They're just maybe not as cool as the pit vipers. But, like, you can, like, like how many of you guys have the polarized so you can see the fish before they see you, you know? Um, you know, so you've you got these, right? Yeah, so, so, like, you see the world through a different lens and it, it has an impact, 
And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to, to, whether it's pit vipers or polarized lenses, I want you to put on the, like, in Christ glasses, okay? And I want you to see the world through the lens of who you are. You are in Christ. You are faithful. You are restored. You're redeemed. You're loved. You're beloved. You are, you are faithful. You are in Christ in every way, like the people that you interact with, the people that you see on the road, the people that are in your, in your home and in your family and in your neighborhood and in your workplace and the people that you conduct life with. You see them through the lens that you are in Christ. No longer are you, you know, salesman guy or mountain climber guy, marathon guy or, or pit viper guy. Like, like you are in Christ and that is who you are. Def- you are adopted, grafted in, forgiven, filled with mercy, like this is who you are. The fruits of the Spirit should be pouring out of you because the Holy Spirit is in you. Like, and when you put that lens on, you need to see the world in a different way. It needs to be in a different way. And let's, let's look at what is, the, what is the fruit of that? This community of God that got launched, this new thing, this restored identity, this restored community that got established right there. The Holy Spirit comes down, does this amazing Holy Spirit things. Words are being translated. You know, there's flames of fire. There's like sights and sounds and all sorts of cool things that are happening. And there's this like man of God that speaks the truth and says, look, the Old Testament is now new. Like see what Jesus has done. He's Messiah and a new community is launched. And what happens? This is the effect of it. The fruit of it is verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So like this is the fruit of that. A restored community looks like this. This is what is happening. And so I'm just going to ask you, this is the other part of the participatory nature of the morning. Based on what we're seeing in verses 42 to 47, what is actually happening? Like what's happening in that community? Shout out. Like what is actually happening? What's specifically written and maybe what's unwritten? What what is happening in that community? Unity Unity is happening. Absolutely. What else? Fellowship. Fellowship, Okay. Fellowship is like a Christianese word that means what? What does fellowship mean? Hanging out. Okay. Yeah, visiting, sharing life. All right, what else is happening? Salvation. Salvation is taking place. Absolutely, the Lord is adding to their number. Amen. What else is happening? Sharing resources. Sharing resources. Very cool, sharing resources. Yes, what else do we see? Praying for one another. Wait, somebody said something funny? I, I missed it. Potlucks, yes, yes. Yes, this is obviously a Baptist community that got birthed here, so... Uh, clearly, what what else is what else are we seeing? The church, the church being established, praising the Lord. Vulnerability. Vulnerability, yes, yes, yes. Right. So needs are being met, but how are needs being met? People are sharing their needs. Right. There's some vulnerability that's happening. There's some recognition that I have a need, and I'm willing to share that. 
And if there's vulnerability happening, what else is happening there? The church is growing. The church is growing, yes. As people are being vulnerable, like what else is happening amongst that community that allows that vulnerability to be taking place? Restoration. Restoration, generosity. Trust, yes, there's trust. There's trust that's happening. Like people are, are being like, you know what, this is a group of people that I'm able to share. There's going to be a trust. There's, there's, a, there's some sort of recognition that this, like, like this is a safe place for me to share something that is vulnerable, right? There's a lot of amazing things that are happening in here. And as we, as we read this list, like every Christ-following community doesn't need to look exactly like that. That's not the point of the scripture. The point of the scripture, though, is that a Christ community a, a, like a restored community full of restored individuals that identify in Christ with these in Christ glasses on that are recognizing that we're adopted and we're forgiven and we're loved and we're like, the, like that community looks different than somebody that isn't in Christ. And some of the things that we're seeing in here is like a natural result of what it looks like to be in Christ together as a community, to be a church I mean, what does a kingdom community look like? You guys described it. That's what a kingdom community looks like. And they began to see themselves as a community. And, and this community of believers had a dramatically different perspective on power and possessions than anyone else in that time period. They found that it was their job to take care of one another through the Holy Spirit-empowered generosity. So during this time period, the Roman rule, like one of the, one of the things that we would see is like Roman leaders would offer money or funds or, or help to people below them in social status. But it would not be without a hook. It was an idea of patronage. Like, oh, if I'm going to help you here, then you are now in social debt to me and you're going to owe me something. And that flavor of social debt or owing something as a result of being helped out is not present in verses 42 to 47. There's not an expectation of getting something back. I'm going to be generous because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to be generous. And one of the fun things that we read through scripture is all of the amazing things that the Holy Spirit does. And what I want to do is to highlight that I think one of the most amazing things that the Holy Spirit is doing is empowering people in this kind of community to be generous. Like it is not like, uh, it is not easy to be generous, amen? It is a Holy Spirit empowered person that acts in this kind of generous way. This community of believers were not trying to overthrow the existing economic system of the land that they lived in. This was not trying to launch any kind of flat, equitable type of situation. People still had jobs and other people maybe didn't have jobs. There were fishermen and tent makers and people were not leaving the economy to then be in this commune together. That's not what was happening. There was still an unequal distribution of wealth. I think we can see in the scriptures that there were some who had and some who had less. And those who had less were willing to share, like, I'm struggling right now. And those who had were willing to offer help. And it was not because it was a rule. It was not mandated. It was because of the Holy Spirit empowered them to be generous. And I think what was touched on over here was just the idea that 
there was existing within this community such a close-knit sharing and a trust for one another that those needs were being willing to be shared. People were known and they knew others. And what we find is that this, li- this lifestyle or this community, this kingdom community was so attractive with its justice and its restor- like righteousness that justice is attractive. People were being added to their number. People wanted to be a part of a community who lived in the way of Jesus, in the way of the king. And so this is this new restored identity, saved by Jesus, filled with the spirit and living for the king of kings in community with other disciples of Jesus. And my prayer for you guys is that you guys here would be this kind of community, that you guys would live in this restored identity, that you would start seeing life at home in your workplace, in your neighborhood, or that you would continue to do so right here in this church through the lens of being in Christ. That you would see that your identity is not about what you do. It's not about how many, you know, what size of family you came for, come from or what birth order you were a part of or, you know, where you hail from or where you're headed. Your identity is in Christ It is restored from trying to earn something or feel good about whether it is about how you dress or what size of house you have or whatever social cred you want to throw out there. But your identity is restored and it's in Christ. We are saved by Jesus. We are filled with the spirit and we are living for the king of kings in community with other disciples. Let me pray. And Jesus, thank you so much for uh, Cedar Home this morning. Thank you for each one of them here Lord, I do hope that there was something that um, each of us needed to hear. And I just would pray your blessing over their pastoral search. I just would ask that you, um, you would be orchestrating exactly what you're wanting to do there. We trust in our, our faith. We are trust and believe that you have a plan and it is good. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in the midst of that. Help us this week to really be intentional about identifying ourselves as being in Christ and that we would be part of a kingdom oriented community in your name we pray amen all right if you guys would all stand I'll just uh, send you guys off and dismiss you with a blessing if that's okay this morning this comes out out of uh, numbers chapter six so the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Amen. Amen.